listening to this week's Lefevre CFC podcast. Connect with us via our website, lefevrecfc.com, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash lefevrecfc. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the focus of our series, or our, our sermon today, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And you pick up out of that song, sort of the burden that people were carrying, but also that sense of rejoicing. Um, and the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Alyssa read this verse, but um, in Matthew, you, you kind of feel that that might have been the feeling that Joseph had in one sense, because um, it refers back to something that happened to the Israelites by the prophet Isaiah. Um, but Joseph has just been informed that his wife is, or his, the lady he's engaged to is pregnant and he's, I think he'd be conflicted. I think there would be great distress going on in his soul. This, we know from our last week where Joel shared about how he was a man of honour and he did all these things to, and he'd made a plan to, to divorce Mary in a nice way and to do it gently and kindly and all those sorts of things. But I think there would have been great distress going on in his soul. This woman that he loved, this lady that he was going to spend the rest of his life with, um, had betrayed him. Um, so he wanted to just move on. But in the night, an angel of the Lord comes to him and speaks to him and um, gives him a word and says, well, this child is not uh, because of her affair or her adultery. It's actually this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and then the angel of the Lord tells him to stay with Mary. And then it says there in um, verse 22 and 23, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. What a promise. And it goes back to the, the passage in Isaiah where the Israelites, they were in great distress. Their enemies were abound them. Their enemies were all around them. And they're in this conflict and their looks, things look helpless and hopeless. And God speaks to them through the prophet and says, a child will be born. And you call him Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. And it gave them hope. Um, but it was something they were able to rejoice they were able to say well yes there is a hope there is a way forward and maybe today you feel like in distress or in pressure or you've got all these things going on around you and I want to assure you today God is with us isn't that great news that Emmanuel God is with you whether you're having a good time or whether you're having a hard time God's with you whether things are going fantastic and you feel like there's blessing and prosperity and the floodgates of heaven and maybe your bank account's huge, um, God's with you. But if the reverse is also true, where things aren't working and your finances are tight, God is also with you. And we can take great promise in Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew and Luke's gospel, it gives us a lot of detail about what happened, the Christmas story. But I want to look at John's gospel today, um, which gives us a lot of the meaning and the theology of what actually happened and what the significance of this little baby being born is. And in John 1 verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the, from the Father full of grace and truth. And that really gives us a glimpse and helps us understand what actually happened, what this baby being born is all about. And I just want to unpack that a bit for us um, this afternoon and just say, well, let's have a look at some of this for ourselves and for our community and, and those sorts of things. So in um, 1 John, I was going to get the Bible, have a Bible reading, but we didn't get to uh, having the first part of John 1 read, but many of you are familiar with it. Um, and John 1 starts, in the beginning the Word was God and the Word was with God and through the world was created by, the creation was created by the Word and there's all this talking about the Word and really it becomes evident to us that that Word, the reference to the Word is actually referring to Jesus. So in that verse where the Word became flesh, it's talking about Jesus Christ becoming the Word. And why is that important to us? Well, let me explain it like this. When I was in Nepal, um, I had a, a guy with us. His name's Stephen. He's from, um, from the CFC South Church. And um, when you look at him, or when the Nepalese looked at him, they made some assessments of who he was and what he was like um, and what language he spoke. He's um, part white Australian and part um, Indonesian. So he's got quite brown skin. He's head shaved, nice big dark eyebrows and dark eyes. So um, when people looked at him, they thought he was Nepalese. Uh, so to the point when we're sitting at a, and it has happened a number of times, but we were sitting at the airport and um, they're making announcements and it's an airport that we're not familiar with and they didn't have all the signage and everything the way that we expected. So we're sitting there having a cup of coffee and um, one of the airport staff walked past and I said, spoke to them and asked them, well, what's, is that our flight? The flight was called. We quite didn't quite understand. Is that our flight? This is our boarding pass. And he looked at me with a blank face and then turned, turned to Stephen and said something. And um, his assumption was that Stephen was Nepalese and understood Nepalese. And why was this strange guy who doesn't speak our language speaking to me? Why don't your friend speak to me? Um, but then Stephen started to speak and gave words. Um, it became very clear that this man's assumptions of who Stephen was wasn't correct. Uh, his words gave him away. Uh, you know, our words and what we say give us a true indication of who we are, but also who somebody else is. Uh, I like going to the shops and looking around and seeing people, and maybe I come a little bit judgmental, but I just sort of notice people and think, oh, that person's like this and this person's like that. But I don't really know what they like and who they are until I speak to them. The word tells us, well, what sort of coffee do they really like? What sort of tea do they like? Who are they? What do they do? And it's when they speak a word and share their word and share their true heart, it actually tells me who they really are. I can make all sorts of assessments from just looking at the outside. And some of those will be right. Some of those will be wrong. Some of those will be my own imagination. Um, but when God spoke, when God's word has spoken, it really is showing us who God is. That when Jesus became the word, he didn't leave it ambiguous anymore. He didn't leave it up to us to make decisions about what God is like. He says he became flesh and it tells us a lot about who God is. So Jesus is the son of God, but he is his very word to you and to me and to all humanity. Then the, that passage goes on and says that he became flesh. That the word 
the Son of God, God became flesh. Becoming flesh is that he identified with us. Flesh is soft. Flesh is meaty. Flesh he can touch. This is, you know, flesh is there. That God became flesh. No longer this spirit, no longer this thing out there, no longer coming as a, a judge, but coming down as a little baby, soft and vulnerable and so precious. I don't know if, how many of you saw the little pictures of Arlo uh, in his little capsule going home on the, on, um, I think it was Friday, was it? In the car on Friday, Saturday morning or Friday. But you just see this baby is so vulnerable, so small, so precious and so adorable, but is also... Uh, yeah, it's so vulnerable though. And to think that God, the creator of heaven and earth, became flesh, became vulnerable. Why did he become vulnerable? So that he could come close to us, so that we could know him, so that we could feel him, so that we could see what he was truly like. But also so that he could identify with us, to identify with you and to identify with me. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is being tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So it really, Jesus becoming flesh says, well, God identifies with us. Jesus identifies with you. So they are, well, that means Jesus identifies and has gone through the things that we go through the temptations that we go through, the struggles that we go through. He identifies with that and understands that and can empathize with us. There's no other religion where God is actually says he empathizes with us. He knows us at that level. Maybe you um, say, well, I've, I've been so hurt, I can't forgive. Jesus Christ himself was so hurt, so rejected by other people, let down by the closest people to him was hung on a cross and crucified and as he's hanging on that cross says father forgive them for they know not what they're doing like he's able to forgive in the midst of his pain and his sorrow so he understands if you've been hurt if people have let you down people have broken your heart Jesus is able to empathize with you or maybe you think well God I called out to you and you didn't answer my prayers God I've reached out to you and you didn't answer and come through for me Many years ago, Danny, you were, I can't remember the guy, young guy's name, and I wouldn't have, if I did, I wouldn't have said it anyway, but there was a young guy at Club Barnabas, and he, um, which was a youth outreach, we used, Danny and I, and Elizabeth and a few others used to, Sandra, you were part of that, used to run when Sam and Paul were doing um, Kids Club, KFC, in the auditorium, we were doing some stuff with some youth in the, the other side, and this guy said, well, I can't believe in God because I prayed for my dog and God didn't answer my prayer and my dog still died. So there can't be a God. Um, maybe you have a, for him, that was so real. Maybe for you, you've had a time where you think, well, God, you just didn't come through like I expected. But you know, Jesus Christ can even relate to that. Even though he is God himself, he can relate to those times where we've, we've prayed and we've believed and God hasn't come through the way or answered our prayer the way that we expected whether it's around sickness or finance or family issues or our loved ones that you've been praying for. Jesus Christ faced that in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Jesus, this is before he heads to the cross. He's praying and praying and his prayer is, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. If there's any way that I don't have to go to the cross, can we work this out, please? Um, Three times he prayed that prayer. And the fathers, each time he came back, no, this this is the only way. This is the only way. But even for you, Jesus Christ understands and for me he understands when we pray a prayer and God doesn't answer it the way that we expect Jesus still even understands that so this Christmas remember Emmanuel God with you he became flesh so we can empathize with us so whatever you're facing whatever struggle you go through Jesus Christ is the high priest who understands it and stands with you and is right there beside you not judging and condemning and saying I'm far off get your act together but he loved so much that he came right down and came so, so close. That verse then goes on to say, God made his dwelling among us. That Jesus pitched his tent with us. That Jesus came and dwelt, lived with us, came and made his home with us. And I know in a few weeks' time, or in probably a week's time, there's a few of you that are going to be setting up tents. Some of you are going to be in caravans at Tanunda. Um, but some of you will pull up a caravan and put it up. But some of you will set up tents. But you'll all be close and tight together, those who go on that trip. But there's that sense of everyone being together. We're dwelling together. You imagine God just coming and setting up his tent. Jesus coming and just setting up his tent right in the midst of that. Many years ago when we were living in Cairns, I had... Um, we went camping and we're out in this national park called Goldsboro. It's not too far from Cairns, but beautiful spot. And we've set up our, our tent and we've parked and we've booked our campsite. And the campsite was quite empty. But for some reason, this total random stranger decided to try and come and set up right next to us. There was campsites everywhere else. It's a beautiful national park. We're wanting peace and quiet. And this person's trying to, to set up next to us. I think he picked up my tension. Uh, so eventually he picked up his tent and moved somewhere else. But um, it was sort of like, this is not appropriate for you to be so close to us. Um, I just, we want our space. But when you know somebody, like at Tananda, when everyone's there, we were there last year, everyone's close, it's tired. It's okay when it's people you know. It's okay when it's people that you want to be close to. But when it's a stranger, you're thinking, no, you've got to move on, move out. But God's not a stranger and he chooses to pitch his tent. He comes to camp and indwell right next to us. And that word, to, to dwell, the, the, um, John could have picked a myriad of different Greek words to come up with the word dwell or to reside or come close to or live near. There's all different words that he could have used. But he actually used the word tabernacle to actually, to tabernacle. So to, to take people, the readers' minds, back to the Old Testament, to take them back to the, the Old Testament tabernacle where God was there and he was in a tent and he was so close to them and he moved with them and he lived with them and God dwelled with them. So he's saying the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and he dwelled in this tabernacle. His very presence was right there in Christ with us living right there next to you. The Old Testament picture was that Jesus, oh, the God and the glory of God was in this tent that moved around with the people as they, they moved. So as they moved from camp to camp, they carried God with them and they set up his tent and they worshipped there and they moved from place to place to place. You know that God's with you 
He chooses to dwell with us, to tabernacle with us, to pitch his tent right in the midst of our lives, right in the midst with you. So whether that's at school, at work, at university, in the chaos of family life, if that's what it is for you, um, but right there in the midst of that, Jesus chose to come and dwell in that space with you. So the birth of Jesus is God choosing to pitch his tent with us. So as we sing the songs this Christmas, as we eat your ham and your prawns or whatever else you do on Christmas Day or you have a roast, I don't know how you celebrate Christmas, but whether it's your salads. Um, I just assumed we're all non-vegan, all non-vegan, didn't I? So if you're vegan and you're not eating any of those things, enjoy your salads and everything else. Um, but whatever you're eating at Christmas, remember that it was Jesus has chosen to come and be Emmanuel and to dwell with us and pitch his tent with us. Give space for him this Christmas. <clears throat> and then the passage goes on and John writes, well, um, we have seen his glory. That John wanted to say, well, we've seen the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Because the whole Old Testament picture really was that is that they couldn't see the glory of God they couldn't come to too close to the glory of God that God lived behind this big curtain where they sort of kept God in there and we were able to come close and draw near in some ways when the tabernacle was set up they could draw near close a bit but they couldn't really look at the glory of God but John says we've seen the glory we've seen the majesty we've seen all that Christ is and it shows us all that God is and the majesty and the wonder of, of God, that we've seen it. Hebrews 1 verse 3 tells us that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That's amazing, that Jesus, this little baby that's born, who grows into a, a 33-year-old man who gets hung on a cross, but he is the exact radiance, the exact representation of God himself in human form. That's amazing. So, and he sustains all things by the, his powerful word. That's powerful. And after he had provided purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of, hand of the majesty, majesty in heaven. Wow. God has revealed himself in his word, Jesus Christ. This Christmas. Let's look at that little baby. And not go, ooh, ah, giggle and cute. But can we see as we look at Jesus Christ... Can we see the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God himself revealed to us? So I pray that this Christmas, that there's a fresh revelation for you of who Christ is and who God is and who he represents and how Jesus reveals him to us. In John 1 verse 14, it says that Jesus was full of grace. And then verse 16, it goes down to says, Out of his fullness, we have all received God's, sorry, received grace in place of grace already given. Another translation says, For from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. So there's just this the fullness of God, the grace, the fullness of God's grace is in Jesus Christ, and he's full of grace. And he pours out that, he's full of grace so that we can be full of his grace. 
that the abundance of God's grace is put upon Jesus than to flow to you. God's big. God's huge. So there's no limit to his grace. There's not a small amount of grace that he distributes out a little bit to everybody or we have to be begging to get a little bit of God's grace or God's favor or an answer to a miracle or a touch from God that there is grace upon grace there's abundant blessing of his gracious favor on you that Jesus this little baby who John says we saw in him we saw in Christ who God is and we saw the fullness of his grace and that that grace then in verse 16 he says that grace is then poured upon you grace upon grace favor upon favor kindness upon kindness that's amazing because I don't know how you picture God I don't know if you picture God as a God who's stingy and holding back and only wants to give you a little bit when you do the right thing and maybe your father was like that Maybe your upbringing was like that, that you had to do all the right things to get a little bit of kindness or a little bit of favor from your father. But our father in heaven and Jesus Christ himself are not like that. That when there's a little bit of grace, there's more grace given. And then there's more grace given. There's an abundance of his grace poured out upon your life and upon my life. That's, that's freedom. And because of that grace, we, have, we can boldly and freely go right into the presence of God. How boldly and free do you feel? To come towards Christ it's a grace that is given that gives strength the apostle Paul had a time when he had a sickness a thorn in his side that God didn't remove from him but Paul wrote these words but he said to me and this is what the Lord said to Paul after he'd prayed time and time again for uh, this thorn in his flesh this problem that he had to be taken away from he says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. That Paul understood what it was to have the grace upon grace for his struggles, to give him strength to pursue through. God's favor and his grace is upon you to able to help you to push through. So Emmanuel, God with us. Human beings can become children of God because the Son of God became a human child. That we really do. Emmanuel, God with us. He became a human being so that we could become children of God. And I pray this Christmas that the reality of that and the revelation of that becomes more and more of a truth for you. So to finish off, Jesus wants to dwell with you. Hope you're clear on that. Jesus wants to dwell with you and is dwelling with you regardless of what you're facing. Jesus wants to show you his glory, his majesty, who he is. He wants to show you that, and it's seen in Jesus. Jesus wants to fill you with his grace. And for me, as I've read through this, I've been challenged that my mindset this Christmas would be, God is with me. I see his glory, and I'm filled, and I'm full of his grace, that they are his promises. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to pray and then we're just going to watch a video clip right after this. So let's pray together.